Good morning. Nice to see you here today. I welcome you especially if you are visiting with us, if you're one of our guests or you are watching at home for the first time. We hope this will be a meaningful experience of worship for you. And we also hope you'll stay after we, for a time of fellowship, get to know us a little bit, maybe stop by the Welcome Center and get more information on the church. A few announcements. First of all, the deacons will be meeting in the adult lounge. That right? In the adult lounge after worship. Also, it seems like it's a long way away, but it's not. The Ash Wednesday Agape Meal in Worship will be Wednesday, February 14th, and there will be ashes, renewal of baptismal vows, and communion. This is one of those times when Ash Wednesday comes on the same Sunday as Valentine's Day. But I'm hoping you will find ways to be with your sweetheart and ways to come to the Ash Wednesday Soup Supper and Worship. It is a good way to begin Lent, and I hope you will join us for it. A few other announcements that I wanted to share. I'm reminding the youth that there will be a youth group service project on Sunday, February 4th, after worship in the downstairs kitchen, where you will be making some meals that will be later taken to the castle. And what else is next week, right after worship? The annual meeting! Woohoo! So, <laughs> we will stay here uh, for the annual meeting, and we need a quorum for that, so we hope enough people will be willing to stay. It should not be a long, long thing, um, but I hope you will come for that. Um, and this week, we will be sending out um, a congregational email with the annual report so if you get a chance to look through that before the meeting that would be really helpful um, we'll also have some hard copies here next week but we can save some paper if you will find time to read that at home also coming up soon the elderberries meeting on February 2nd um, Ruth Ann Atella from the Washington Centerville Library will present aging with humor also, Grace Circle is meeting on February 6th, and The Chosen um, will be starting up again our Wednesday evening um, light meal and discussion time watching segments of The Chosen. I hope that you will come and join us for that. Last but not least, and this is a ways off, but you need to think ahead, February 18th and 25th, after worship, we will have Welcome to Southminster 101. This is for people either who just want to find out more about the church or more about being a Presbyterian or maybe interested in membership to come and we will have some discussions and hopefully they will be helpful to you. And those who decide they're ready to become members, we will make that happen. And if you're not ready to become a member, that is just fine too. We'd be glad to see all of you. Now let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God. As we light the Christ candle, we invite those worshiping at home to light theirs as well. If you would please stand and join me in the call to worship. 
Loving God, we come this morning seeking to abide in your presence. Open our minds to your spirit of wisdom. Open our hearts to your spirit of truth. Lord, help us to let go of any distractions or stress. seated. Please join us in the unison prayer of confession. Holy God, creator of all life, we are thankful that you heal the broken and bind up the wounds of the lost and rejected of this world. We praise you for showing us the meaning of your love by giving it human form and shape in the person of Jesus. Through the work of your spirit within us, may we too learn to love people as you love them. Thank you, God, for the many ways in which you bless us. 
May the words we say and the lives we live reveal our gratitude. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
join me in the assurance of forgiveness no matter who we are or how lost we might feel God can tr transform each of us into the people we were meant to be broken we are mended separated from others remain one longing to serve we are set forth friends hear the good news in Jesus Christ we are forgiven and set free to new way of living Thanks be to God. Amen. Of Christ be with you. If you are worshiping at home, we extend the peace of Christ with you. If you are worshiping here in the sanctuary with us, we invite you to extend the peace around you however you feel most comfortable. God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in the faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we're reading from Micah 6, 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. 
Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. And the Lord has a controversy with the people, and God will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house re redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving act of the Lord. What with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? With the Lord, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O, o mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord.
children come forward now. if you have ever had someone do something kind for you and you didn't know who it was who did it did you ever have like a, a secret friend or sometimes there are secret in school there'll be secret Santas and they do something really nice for you really kind for you has that ever happened to any of you it has okay it has happened to you too? Okay. Well, this happened to me once when I was at a restaurant, and I went to this restaurant because it was known for their pies. And I love pie. Uh, I especially love apple pie, but I love all kinds of pie. And so this restaurant was known for all the pie, all the different varieties of pie that they had. So I went there, and I ate my lunch, and I finished my lunch, and then it was time to order dessert, and the server came up to me and said, the, the person sitting over at that table bought your lunch. And I, did, I was surprised because I hadn't paid any attention to who was sitting at that table and whoever it was had already left. So I didn't know who they were or why they bought my lunch, but they bought my lunch and all I had to do was pay for the pie. Now that's a, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So I wonder, so uh, doing kind things for others, even sometimes it's best that the person you're doing a kindness for doesn't even know about it, right? So did you listen as Britt read our scripture this morning? And she read a, a, a very important verse. It's one of the most important verses in all of the Bible, Micah 6 verse 8. And this verse says that God wants three things from us, to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. Now, what do you think to do justice means? What does that mean to you? What do you think? To do good. To do good, yeah, yep, very good. What else, what does to do justice mean? Anyone have an idea? You know, it's kind of about helping everyone feel welcomed and everyone feel loved and included and making sure everyone has enough to eat they have a, a nice place to live, a, a safe place to live, making sure everyone's treated with dignity and respect. So that's to do justice. But what, the second part of the verse said lo, to love kindness. Now, what do you think it means to love kindness? Yes. Being nice, Being nice to others. Yes, that's, that's an excellent example. It, it, it could mean doing something like this person in this restaurant did for me, buying my lunch. And I'll never know who it was. But it, it could be something like when you're in the Starbucks drive-thru. Have you, do you ever go through the Starbucks drive-thru? No. no? Well, do, do your moms or dads ever go through the Starbucks drive-thru? Yeah. So maybe you, maybe you say, I want to pay for the drink order of the person behind me in their car, in the car behind me. Have you ever done that? Or I've done that a couple of times. So it might be something like that, doing something kind for others at school. Are there any kids in your class who no one ever talks to? 
Yeah, so maybe invite that kid to come and have lunch with you. Or if they forgot their lunch, share part of your lunch with them. Or, or you know, those kind of things. So there are a lot of things you could do to help be kind to others. We all have opportunities to be kind every day. And the third part of the verse says to walk humbly with our God. What do you think it means to walk humbly with God? To what? Not brag. To not brag. Yeah, that's a good a good example. Any what else? Any other thoughts? The 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 uh, the verse talks. It really is about paying attention to what God is doing and then following God and focusing on the things of God instead of the things of the world. And so I think if every Christian in the world would follow this verse, would do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. I think the world would be a better place. What do you think? You think it would be a better place? I do too. So let's pray. Please repeat after me. Please repeat after me. Dear God, please, please help me to do justice this week and think of others. Help me to love kindness and care for others. And most of all, Help me to follow you, me to follow you and, walk with you and walk with you all week long. All week long. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Today's gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. If you listen to the lyrics in the choir's first anthem today and you listen to Stan's children's time, you got a lot of the message that I'm about to share, but I might share it in some different ways. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen.
Carol struggled with the idea that God would have any use for her. Born in poverty, physically abused by her mother, sexually abused by her father, she was raised to think that she did not matter. Although she was smart, she had to drop out of high school to get a job. And as the years went by, her mental illness made it hard to keep a job. For about a month, she came to the last church that I served, but then she had several extreme surgeries for both heart and lung disease, and she ended up having a permanent trach tube in her throat. She was about 67 years old when she was put in a nursing home, wheelchair bound. I felt for Carol. She had been through so much, and it had taken a toll on her. She was so excited whenever she had a visitor that I found five other people who would go to visit her too. I would enjoy seeing her. And yet, after a few months, she began calling me every other day and finally every day wondering why I wasn't there. I would attempt to explain that it wasn't possible to cover all of my responsibilities as a pastor and be there for her as often as she expected. The thing was, she would get a bit abusive herself, telling me that if I really cared, I'd be there. And she guessed I was just mean and thoughtless and didn't care if she died alone because I wasn't coming. I didn't answer the phone, the messages were just awful. While I tried to set some boundaries with her, the mental illness that included paranoia got in the way of her being able to respect those boundaries. One day while I was there, a nursing home administrator came in and in front of Carol told me that I needed to be her health proxy because there was no family and no one else to look out for her. I said that it wasn't a good thing for a pastor to do and suggested that they contact an ombudsman. I can't ever say that ombudsman. But Carol was just sobbing and the administrator was insistent. Carol was convinced that they were going to throw her out on the street if I didn't sign it. Yes, I caved. Big mistake. On her many trips to the hospital, they would not even admit her until I was there. And though the health proxy agreement said nothing about finances, the hospital and the nursing home continued to try to send me her bills. You can't imagine how many hours I talked with these people. I even received a late bill from a year before when I arrived here in Ohio. And yet I look back on that difficult time with love for Carol. I cherish the heart of faith in her that was stronger than her mental illness and stronger than her pain. Whenever I prayed with her, she wouldn't want me to stop, and when I finished, she would pray for me too. Carol's faith is the only thing that sustained her, and her connection to our church was her lifeline. She loved for me to tell her about all of what, of what the youth and the children in the church were doing. And at the end of every visit, she insisted on giving me a $5 bill to help pay for the ministries for youth and children. 
Knowing her lack of finances, I didn't really want to take it and only said that once to her to find out that that really upset her. It brought her joy to be a part of things. It brought her joy to think that she could have something to do with the ministry of the church. During her time in the nursing home, Carol discovered that she was an artist and she would look forward to telling me what she had last painted. They were full of color and expressive of emotion. And she would write poetry. I was thrilled when the activities director decided, after a little urging from me, to put a little poetry corner in the corner of every week's newsletter with one of her poems. She even asked the director to make a booklet of them for me at the end of a year. When Carol died, I had a service with the five other congregation members who had visited her. We were the only people she had. The hardest thing for Carol had been to believe that God really loved her because she didn't feel worthy of love. I remember back when we had read the Beatitudes together and we talked about what blessing means. You see, to Carol, God's blessing meant that God had given you a wonderful life, or God had given you a nice home, or God had given you good fortune. To her way of thinking, she wasn't a good person. She had made too many mistakes in life, so God didn't think she was worthy of these things. She's not the only one to look at blessings that way. I've received more than a few Christmas letters, and I imagine you have too, with what I call humble bragging about everything from the fancy new car to the fabulous vacation to what all accomplishments their grandchildren had, saying that God blessed them with all these things. But being blessed in the Beatitudes and in the first century of church wasn't about that. It was about connection with God. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is letting us know that our identity is one of being blessed and beloved by God. We misunderstand this well-known scripture when we think of it as a list of things we should do in order to be right in God's eyes. You see, Jesus looks at places where people are vulnerable and know that they are blessed because God is with them in that vulnerability. Nadia Boltz Weber pointed out that the Beatitudes are a pronouncement of blessing. As Jesus says these things to the people surrounding him on the hillside, Jesus is conferring the blessing itself. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount that follows is all about Jesus' seemingly lavish blessing of the world around him, especially that part of the world, that part of society where everyone else thinks there isn't enough time for them people in pain, people who exercise mercy instead of vengeance, people who try to make peace in the world and are scorned for it. So maybe Jesus is actually just blessing people, especially those who never seem to receive a blessing from anyone else. Father Greg Boyle is a Los Angeles priest who founded and runs the world's largest gang intervention and rehabilitation program. And he thinks a better translation of blessed is, you're in the right place. 
Oh, I haven't found that particular translation before. I do think it touches on the basic meaning of the Beatitudes. So many who gathered on the hillside to listen to Jesus and lots of folks today have been told by other people in their world that if they are in any way broken or poor, mentally or physically ill, that God's favor is for others, not with them. They are on the margins, not in a place where they can experience the blessing of God. To the contrary, Jesus tells them, no matter what is going on in your life, you are in the right place because it is the place where God draws near to you and loves you. It is simply what a loving God chooses to do. When I shared that interpretation with Carol, her eyes lit up. She would never believe that she deserves God's love, but she, couldn't, but she could believe that through Jesus, God chose to offer her that love. And so she was, indeed, blessed. Friends, we are simply blessed by God. It is a pure gift. It is not conditional on what we have done or failed to do. It just is. At the same time, the opportunity is offered to us to accept the invitation that Christ extends to us throughout his ministry to be a part of that blessing, to be a blessing to others. We see an example of this way back in Genesis, if you remember the calling and blessing of Abraham, when God says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Much later in the 8th century BC, the prophet Micah comes along and sees how the Israelites have grown self-satisfied and apathetic. They have broken the covenant with God because they aren't feeling like they are being a blessing to anyone. The Assyrian Empire is conquering everyone in sight. They know that they're probably next. And so they complain to the prophet Micah that God is just not doing enough for them. Micah, on the other hand, can see that the people have grown self-centered, that they have forgotten all that God has done for them in the past and starts to remind them of all of that. He sees that their worship has become nothing more than an empty ritual, and they aren't living in a way that honors God. Such sadness can be heard when God speaks through the prophet, asking why the people have turned away from an authentic faith. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. Micah's from a poor village, and he sees firsthand the suffering of the farmers trying to eke out a living while those in power take advantage of them. The poor keep getting poorer, and the rich keep getting richer. Speaking for God, the prophet forms his message like a court case with God's argument against the way the people have acted. And the people saying, haven't we done enough? What do you expect of us? Dripping with sarcasm and not a little bit of hyperbole, they ask, Oh God, what do you want? What kind of sacrifices do you expect? Lots of sacrificed animals, rivers of precious oil, our firstborn. Well, of course not. God doesn't want any of those things. God doesn't want such sacrifices or empty worship or meaningless ritual. So what does God say through the prophet? What is God's requirement for us? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. 
Can you say that with me? Because you need to remember it at the benediction. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. I often do use those words as a charge of benediction. We've heard them so much that they don't have the kind of impact that Micah was going for. You see, worship and a life of faith are empty if we don't care about and do those things. Talking the talk doesn't mean anything if we're not walking the walk. Worshiping God in our hearts and what we say and what we do all have a part in authentic faith. Do justice. It not only means that we have compassion for those who are oppressed or discriminated against or treated unfairly in the world, but that we have the kind of empathy that pushes us to do something about us in any way that we can. We do whatever we can to balance the scales, to promote justice in our daily relationships and in our society. Doing justice can make us uncomfortable because we might have different ideas about what that means. But whatever our take on it, the prophet Micah and later Jesus each make it clear that we need to deal in a fair, compassionate, and just way with those whom society has pushed aside. As we begin Lent next month, you will be hearing more about a mission project that Southminster is supporting. It gives homeless women and children a safe place to be while receiving education and counseling to get on their feet and move forward in their lives. Most of them ended up without homes because they were escaping abuse. Being involved in helping this program make a difference is doing justice. Through the prophet Micah charges us, through the prophet Micah, God charges us to look for such opportunities all the time. Love kindness. The Hebrew word for this is hesed, and it's used to describe God's love for us. God's hesed is persistent, unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy. Through Micah's prophecy, God is commanding us to show such love for one another. We recognize our common humanity as children of God. We open our hearts with empathy and compassion that motivate us to act in ways that let other people, people like Carol and so many other people in this world, know that they matter. Walk humbly. It requires that we acknowledge our dependence on God, aware that we cannot do justice and love kindness or do much of anything else that makes a difference without God's help. The good news that we discover in Jesus Christ is that God is always with us, offering that help if only we get out of our own way enough to listen. Walking humbly helps us to love our neighbors, to realize that we are not above or below any other person on this earth. We walk beside one another. While all of this may feel overwhelming, even our smallest efforts can have a ripple effect like we never dreamed. Listen to these lyrics from a song called Dream Small by Josh Wilson. It's a mama singing songs about the Lord. It's a daddy spending family time that the world said he cannot afford. It's a pastor in a tiny little church 40 years of loving on the broken and the hurt. Dream small. Don't worry like you got to do it all. Live well, loving God and others as yourself. 
Find little ways where only you can help. It's visiting the widow down the street or dancing on a Friday with your friend with special needs. These simple moments change the world. Keep loving, keep serving, keep listening. Keep learning, keep praying, keep hoping, keep seeking. Keep searching out all of these small things and watch them grow bigger. The God who does all these things makes oceans from rivers. With such great love, a tiny rock can make a giant fall. Yeah, five loaves and two fishes could feed them all. Dream small. Friends, you and I are blessed because God and Jesus Christ loves us so much. May we be a blessing to this world. Amen.
please be seated. And we'll ask Lois to come up here and help us. We are going to be ordaining and installing elders and deacons. And as Lois speaks your name, we hope that you will come forward. You can stand on the lower level and face everybody so they can see who you are. Speaking for the people of the church, I bring Brenda Gianelli and Robbie Herner to be ordained and installed as deacons. And Jeannie Leatherberry, I don't think is here. I also bring Glenda Wright and Linda Denmark to be ordained and installed as elders. And Shalendra Dwyer, Jill Madison, Chris Bowers, and David Short to be in installed as elders. Andrew McKenzie will be installed at a later time when he is available. And obviously Jeannie too. Now I ask you to join in our litany. If some of you didn't bring it up, you can share with your neighbor. <laughs> there are different gifts, but it is the, the same, same spirit, spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God. But it is the same Lord who is served. God works through different people in different ways. But it is the same God who achieves God's purpose through them all. Each one is given a gift by the Spirit. To use, to use for, for the, the common, common good. good. Together we are the body of Christ. And, and individually members of Christ's body. Though we have different gifts, Together, we are a ministry of reconciliation led by the risen Christ. We call people to faith and we work and pray to make the church useful in the world. Within our common ministry, some members are chosen for particular work as teaching elders, also known as ministers of the word and sacrament, ruling elders, or deacons. In ordination, we recognize these special ministries, remembering, remembering that our Lord Jesus said, Whoever among you wants to be great must become the servant of all. Now Stan and I are going to come down here to ask you some questions. <laughs> Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit? You can, the beginning of each question is, do you or will you? So that gives you a hint as to how to answer. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do and will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God. Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Yes. 
Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Amen. Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? The next one is, I will with God's help. Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? And the next question is for those being ordained and installed as elders. Shalendra, Jill, Chris, Glenda, David, and Linda, will you be faithful elders, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in governing bodies of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? And this question is for our deacons. Robbie and Brenda, will you be faithful deacons, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? These following questions are for the congregation. Do we, members of the church, accept these elders and deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the ways of Jesus Christ? We do. Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us serving Jesus Christ who alone is the head of the church? We do. Now we're going to get you to turn around the other way. And we want to invite all the uh, elders and deacons to come forward for the laying on of hands. If you're not comfortable coming forward, just raise your hand in blessing toward those who are being ordained and installed. Well, we're, the blessing is on those, um, well, the blessing of laying on of hands is for those who are newly being ordained. So if you are already ordained, you can participate in the laying on of hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, for those who are being ordained who can kneel, do, and if kneeling is, is hard for you, you can just lean forward like that a little bit. Either way is fine. Okay. Let us pray. Gracious God, in every age you have chosen servants to speak your word and lead your people. We thank you for Linda, Robbie, Glenda, and Brenda, whom we ordain to your service. Help them to continue to grow in faith, in love, and in their relationships to you. By the gifts of your spirit, empower them to build up the church, to strengthen the common life of your people, and to lead with compassion and vision. In the walk of faith and for the work of ministry, give them humility, humor, courage, and an abiding sense of your presence. We ask your blessings on Jill, Shalendra, David, and Chris and their continued service. By your grace, give all these servants of Christ the gifts they need to do their work in this congregation and beyond. Fill them with your spirit, Lord, so that they may have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus and be faithful disciples as long as they live. Amen. 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 You can help them stand up. <laughs> you are now ordained and installed deacons and elders in the Church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. 
Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through him. Amen. Amen. In the name of Christ, I welcome each of you to this ministry. May all that we do in word and deed give glory to God, our creator. Amen. And so having witnessed and affirmed the commitment of these members of our church to service as deacons and elders, let us all recommit ourselves to the service and the ministry of our church as we offer ourselves and our gifts in our morning offering.
may be seated. Let us continue to lift up in prayer the uh, families of those who've died in recent days, the family of Paul Lenz. Uh, his funeral service was here yesterday, and also the family of Hazel Keeley. Her memorial service was at Bethany yesterday. Let us continue to remember Vivian C., Tom D., Wes and Gretchen C., Joanne Wise, brother Stephen, who's moving to assisted living, uh, Melita M., who's having a cardiac procedure this week, Pearl S.'s friend Barbara, Linda D.'s sister Deb, those with ongoing health concerns, Haley, Riley, and Clyde A., uh, prayers for those with cancer, Winifred, Susie, Nathan, Julia, David J., Marvin, Mike F., Phil, Dana, Renee, uh, those recovering from illness or surgery, including Jim M., Roy B., Ralph Y., and Del B. Continued prayers for Pat B. and Jason S., and for those in hospice care, Pat C. and Charles. Let us lift up these concerns to the Lord as we unite in prayer. Eternal God, you have placed before us the path of wholeness. You've called us to genuine community, to love and to care for one another. You give us the gift of fellowship that we might help and support one another. All creation reflects the bounty of your love. There is no prayer that we offer that is not already close to your heart. So we lift our petitions to you in the hope that in voicing our concerns aloud, you will hear us and our hearts will be renewed in love for all that you have made. As we look upon the suffering of your people around the world, we cry out with the prophet, how long, O Lord, how long? Heal us of all the ways that we put ourselves against one another. We pray for those caught in the bind of economic hardship and those waiting anxiously to see what the future will hold. Ease our anxiety, O Lord, and remind us again of the care with which we are held. We pray for the needs of the world, in particular the devastating mix of war, poverty, and winter in Ukraine and Russia, for the ongoing situation of violence and loss of life in Gaza and Palestine, and we pray that a ceasefire will come about so that 130 or more hostages can be released and there can be a time of respite from war and terror. We pray for heavy fighting in Somalia after an al-Shabaab attack. We pray about deadly ethnic and religious clashes in Nigeria, cartel battles in southern Mexico which have displaced entire communities. Here at home, we lift up to you the walls of division that seem to grow as the election season intensifies. Heal us, O Lord, and set us free from the dominion of fear, the incitement of anger, the stirring up of resentment, and the need to always be right. We pray for our community, the city of Centerville and Washington Township, and all the residents. If we are blind to the needs of our neighbors, Provoke our consciences and stir us to action. Grant us hearts of compassion for people experiencing homelessness, 
those living with addiction, those suffering from mental and emotional illness, and those who are treated as outcasts, marginalized, kicked to the curb and ignored. Finally, we pray for your church, O God. Strengthen the ties that bind us to one another. Speak your word of hope to us and through us so that we may offer hope to a hurting world. Remake us in the image of your realm of justice and peace and help us to make our highest priority the doing of your will. Receive all of our prayers, both spoken and unspoken, that we offer in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we boldly unite to pray as he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Friends, God has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Say it with me. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Go in peace and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.